Welcome to the Using the Whole Whale podcast, where we learn from leaders about new ideas and digital strategies making a difference in the social impact world. This podcast is a proud production of Whole Whale, a B Corp digital agency. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go learn something. This week on the Whole Whale Podcast, we are talking about automated fundraising strategies with none other than Whole Whale's very own Isabel Brower, the fundraising manager here at Whole Whale. Isabel, how's it going? Hey, George. Great to be here. How are you? Doing pretty well. I'm excited because there's a whole new amazing course on Whole Whale University, and I do not appear in it a single time. So this is the thing that you have been working on tirelessly, what, for the past, should I say, six, seven months? Yeah, it's really exciting that the course is finally ready to go. Well, as a course creator myself, I can say congratulations. It is a huge undertaking to map out, plan, and then record by yourself, mind you, during a pandemic to create this type of content. So bravo. Thank you. Yeah, you know, we got to do the best we can in our little pandemic offices, but I think that this content is going to be super helpful for nonprofits. And so I'm really excited to get it out there for our audience. So what is the title of the course? Because I'm sure I I butchered it. (laughs) So um, our course is called Automated Fundraising Strategies, and it really focuses on different automation tools and tactics that you can use to make your jobs a little easier, which is obviously something that we try and do for our clients, but also for our subscribers, who I think everyone can say um, have a pretty busy plate right now. And if there's things that you can do to make things easier, then you should definitely try to implement those. So I'm curious, what got you fired up enough about this particular topic that you decided we actually need an entire course dedicated to it? I think as someone who formerly worked at a nonprofit, I really um, can empathize with our clients and whole you subscribers who are basically doing the job of 10 different people in one. Um, you are typically wearing a lot of different hats. And I think that I didn't feel like I had a lot of knowledge about the different ways you could automate uh, different aspects of your marketing plans and your fundraising plans. Uh, I felt like I, prior to, to really learning about it, that there, I knew that there were email automations and, and things like that, but I didn't realize how you could apply uh, these different automation tactics to different areas of our work and, and tie them together in a really cohesive way. So I was really excited to produce this course and put that together because I think this is a really great time of year for people who have a a little bit of breathing space from end of year fundraising, who are preparing their content calendars for the year to really dig into and invest in automation now so that they can really reap the benefits of that later on in the year. It's such an important concept. I feel like we have to map it out saying that why is it right now in Q1 such a good time to think about how you are setting up these systems that grow your list? Because I got to be honest, coming out of Q4, I'm tired. I feel like we can just sort of 
relax a little bit. Our donors don't want to hear from us and we can just go about the business and, and basically set it, forget it. Don't even pay attention to our donor lists until, I don't know, we get back into the fall, right? Yeah, I mean, I think um, in an ideal world, we could have a little bit of breathing space right now, but it's actually a really important time to dig into the data that we all collected in the last quarter of last year. Uh, I think a lot of nonprofits and, and social impact orgs as well send out those end of year communications or those annual reports in January. And right now is an excellent time to think about the different user behaviors across your different channels uh, and really pull together that data to help inform your planning for this year. And I think a mistake that a lot of um, organizations make, not even just nonprofits, are that they've really focused in their marketing efforts around one time of year, like end of year for um, nonprofit fundraising, obviously. But we want to think about how to connect with our supporters year round so that we're making sure that our causes, our organizations, um, the different work that we're doing is staying top of mind for supporters so that we're not just trying to grab their attention during a super competitive time in Q4. Exactly. The conversation that comes up that makes me the saddest is people who, nonprofits, I should say, that in Q4 reach out to us and say, we need to build our list and then fundraise from that list and then, right, and, and build relationships that should have been done for the past three quarters. And what I like is that you've kind of collected a bunch of what I'd see is sort of smart tactics for right now, but put them in a framework that makes a bit more sense of how you could be layering that in, in a way that gives you, you know, leverage for time, which is, you know, the promise of, of automation. Yeah, definitely. And I think what's cool about our course is that we sort of gave things a different rating depending on how advanced your marketing knowledge is or how big your team is. So we give some different strategies um, across different difficulty areas. So there's something in there for everyone, for sure. But I think um, one of the, the main things that I think is really important um, is to think about your content that you have. And really invest some time in reviewing your site data to update your content calendar and really think about how you can use the insights that you can gain from that data and plan for some key awareness moments throughout the year. Um, I, you know, I, I think SEO and content is really important for fundraising. It's not something that you necessarily think of that much when you think of fundraising. Um, and it's definitely something that I'm a little bit less experienced in. But even if SEO isn't in your wheelhouse, you can still align your kind of editorial calendar with your other marketing campaign plans for the year to think about, okay, when do I really need to start planning for this? Um, keeping in mind too, that when you are putting new content out on your site to attract people, that it could take a few months for you know the, the website to really rank for a new keyword ahead of a certain observance. So you should really start planning for that now. And I also think that it's really important to think about how you're collecting new leads. So it's a great time to think about, okay, what content do I have that I might want to give away um, uh, for free and, and not have behind a, a gated lead generation tactic? Or maybe this report is actually something that people are going to be really interested in and that we should put behind a content lock to capture 
uh, email addresses. And so there's all of these different elements that you, we have to think about when planning for this awareness cultivation and engagement cultivation throughout the year. And, and definitely not just at the end of the year, because if we do that, then we don't have time to really plan out that meaningful communication with our supporters. I think this is an important one. And yeah, we're going to be sharing some actual tactics from the course, not just sort of pitching you on why to go take it. But the first one is certainly content. And what I like about the way you frame this is that it essentially builds a relationship. It builds a bridge between a fundraising department and maybe the content or program side, making you realize that these pieces are connected. And maybe you could take us to a bird's eye view of something that we talk about at Whole Whale and in this course, the aware to care cycle, so that we kind of understand why does it matter that we wrote a piece of content that has elements designed for search engine optimization? Like, why does it matter that somebody's reading an article when I'm trying to focus on fundraising? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so one of the ways that we really think about nurturing meaningful relationships with supporters online is using the Aware to Care Center framework to plan our marketing efforts. So when we think about trying to capture high quality leads, we want to capture the attention of people who have some kind of connection to our work, have searched our work before, um, have searched keywords related to our work before, are looking to get involved with something related to our cause or our organizations. And so it's incredibly important to think about the kind of content that you're putting out on your site to capture that awareness. And that's really at the top of the Aware to Care funnel is capturing really high quality leads. Um, and, and not just uh, leads for the sake of leads, really thinking about capturing people who want to learn more about your organization and who you have a greater opportunity to engage with because they have that commitment to your cause. And the next kind of phase of the Aware to Care cycle is really rooted in that engagement piece. Uh, and something that we talk a lot about at Whole Whale is how to nurture that relationship with supporters in that engagement phase and using different available channels like email marketing in order to do that. Uh, and I think what's really important there is thinking about how you're talking to your subscribers. What kind of information are you collecting about your subscribers that are going to be helpful in helping build that relationship with them online? Uh, and I think that the more that we shift into virtual events, um, and even though the pandemic has kind of been ebbing and flowing, I think more and more people are looking for ways to engage with people more meaningfully virtually. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for nonprofits to offer that in order to offer a greater connection to their cause as well. And then the last stage of the Aware to Care cycle that we think about is sort of the committed stage. And that for a lot of people or a lot of organizations means making a donation. Um, and for others, it means, you know, a, fundraising on behalf of the cause or committing, um, you know, a series of phone calls to their legislator or volunteering. So it's, it's any action that really indicates that someone is committed to the organization, is engaged with their work and wants to either support them on a financial level or help facilitate um, reaching their goals in some other capacity. And so that's the framework in which we really view the different channels that we work on as well uh, as like really tailoring and thinking about that relating to 
the goals of the organization. So it looks different for everyone, but in our course, the reason why we wanted to identify all these different difficulty levels is that there's different tactics that you can employ on different levels um, of depth and still get results and data that are really going to help you make actionable plans for, for your organizations. Yeah, so the first phase here is right now, especially in Q1, if you're listening to this as we have posted it, pay attention to the content. It's the way that you can create something that potential donors will find. So we're building that attention in the Aware to Care. We're building that attention and then sounds like harvesting it or converting it into emails. The people that we have the permission to talk to, which is that crucial next step. Because frankly, if you're not doing that step, you you really are uh, essentially wasting your time in some respects if you're trying to turn attention into fundraising. Now, we're sitting there in the land of email. What are some of the things that you're recommending from an automation standpoint or, or tips for our audience once we're, we're getting those emails? Yeah, so what I am really recommending to think about for email right now, if you're listening to this um, on Valentine's Day or right after Valentine's Day in Q1, uh, is to really think about your account health. Um, and that's not a super fun topic to talk about, but it's incredibly important, especially as there's so many changes relating to data collection and data privacy um, and software updates and things like that. And I think it's a great time to reflect on the insights you gained during your end of year marketing campaigns and start planning for a higher level of personalization. So one of the ways that you can really use automation here is to collect as much first-party or zero-party data about your supporters as you can. Um, and so an example, that's it's, a, it's something that's going to become even more important, I think, as email becomes this really important channel because it's this direct connection with your supporters. And as things are changing on platforms like Facebook a lot um, or, or Meta, that you have to think about, okay, my website is my own channel and my email marketing channel is my own channel. But everything that's out there on social platforms is subject to somebody else. And so thinking about the investment that you're putting into your email marketing teams and thinking about the investment that you're putting into your email account management is really important here. Um, we are not really able to measure performance in the same ways with open rates. And so we have to shift our way of thinking and evaluating performance to focus on more downstream funnel metrics like conversions and unsubscribes rather than opens. And so if we are don't if we don't know what the state of our email account is, then that's going to be very hard to have a good sense of what's going on with your users and kind of what tactics you need to employ in order to engage with them. Yeah. So can, maybe you can just explain, because you mentioned zero party and first party data. What, is, what does that actually mean? Yeah. So as I was going to say that the offering personalized digital connection with your supporters is going to be even more important than it was before. And first-party data is data that your users offer you from their own behaviors. So like making a donation, um, making a download, you can gain some insights from that behavior. Um, and zero-party data is when a user um, proactively shares that with 
them on their own. So for example, that could be an answer to an outreach question or a survey or a poll of some kind. And so a lot of um, clients can, can use email marketing and different elements to gamified elements like surveys and polls to get that kind of zero party information about their supporters to really tailor the, their communications in a way that's going to help them reach the right people at the right time. And so what this looks like is getting somebody's email clearly up front, not asking too many questions immediately, but then over time, potentially giving them a poll or an opportunity to uh, volunteer that information to the organization in a sort of appropriately gathered and acknowledged way. Yeah, exactly. And I also think it applies to your site content and how you're collecting emails on site. Um, for, for some organizations, it might make sense to just collect an email no matter what with just that information. But for others, it might make sense to have a checkbox there so that people can self-identify with what specific kind of communications they might want to get. Uh, I think overall, no matter what channel you're focusing on, we have to start thinking about higher levels of personalization and getting as much information as we can so that we can really optimize ahead of some key giving moments. And that's not just at the end of the year, of course, but you know, you could have an awareness month over the summer, or um, maybe there's a really, you know, uh, like a significant cultural moment that you want to fundraise around, then you want to make sure that you're offering enough opportunities for connection with your supporters sort of year round, no matter where they are at in the funnel, so that you can apply those insights when it really matters. I'm particularly interested in emails that are automated, transactional, scheduled, not the sort of here's this week's carefully editorially driven email. What are some of your favorite scheduled or triggered emails to put into a digital fundraising communications strategy? Yeah, what I really love is when we're able to use automation tools within email marketing platforms to target people who maybe clicked on an email but then didn't make a donation in fundraising or who, you know, since we're trying to move away from open rates, we're trying to use less email triggers based on that. Um, but I think that really being able to target people who have shown interest in donating before and then offer them, you know, an extra compelling piece of information via an automated email or ask them via, um, you know, some other retargeting tactic is just a really great way to remind people of the causes that they do care about. Um, I think our attention even before the pandemic was pretty scarce online, but now there's just so much that we are all sifting through online every day. And I think having those really personalized reminder emails can be a great way to bring attention back to the people who you are trying to target. Yeah, I think it's important to set those up again, coming to why now, set those up now as you go through the year and find those opportunities to schedule in saying, all right, well, is there a welcome series for new people that come in? Are there emails set up for donor anniversaries that automatically happen where you can maybe remind them and message them, but those are set it and forget it for now, obviously check in on it, but you write it once a thoughtful interaction that you want message based on information that was volunteered to you. And it's just a good use of time right now that will hopefully pay dividends, right? 
Yeah, definitely. And I think the welcome series is something that is great to return to every year as well and, and look at those metrics and see, okay, maybe we actually don't need that third email. Maybe people really drop off around that and we should cut that down. And looking at the data that you have available to you and being able to apply that to your campaigns and also just plan ahead of time to capture that data ahead of really key moments so that you have the most actionable data available to you when you're ready. Um, I think that more so than ever, nonprofits have to do things to stand out uh, at other times of the year and get really creative with their campaigns and marketing. And one way to do that is really apply what you already know about your supporters to your future plans and try your best to capitalize on all of that attention and engagement that you have been nurturing over the years. So also looking back year over year and seeing what kind of content people are engaging with and how that can help shape your future plans. Um, there's there's no better time than now for sure. And it can be hard because it's one of those things where it's not very exciting to plant seeds. I, uh, I'm very proud to say this last weekend, I, I, I planted my tomato seeds because I want tomatoes in, in six months and I don't want the squirrels to eat them like they did last time. So I'm trying to get a bit better. I was going somewhere with this metaphor, but the point is if you don't plan it, you won't get it. And so that's that activity right now. What is your recommendation? Because if, if, if I were to say someone's listening to this, they can do one thing, like they'll stop listening and they're going to go do one thing. What is, what is that planting a tomato seed advice right now? Hmm. I mean, it's hard to narrow things down to just one thing with fundraising, but to make it a little <laughs> bit more fun, I think that really sitting down and planning a campaign calendar alongside some different channels. So I know that we have a template at Whole Will You that can help do this, but I think thinking about as well, just what is going to be um what's going to be the most relevant moment for you to be talking to your supporters this year. And I think having that laid out in a calendar format allows you to have some of that higher level strategic thinking about, oh, actually like, you know, this Mother's Day campaign is around the same time that we are raising, we're putting out new articles um, about, um, you know, maternal health awareness. And so maybe we should put out those articles a month earlier so that we can gain some traction on that for our Mother's Day campaign. So I think really just laying it out helps you plan. Um, but, you know, I'm a big color coding fan as well. And I think that that can help really, uh, you know, figure out what priorities you need to have. So there's ways to have fun with it as well. And I think even just some creative campaign brainstorming can help ignite some different ideas about how to engage your supporters this year. There you go. Color coded campaign calendar. That's the, that's the thing to work on now. And I think that's a good reminder too, because it moves you from a reactive to proactive standpoint where it's not always a, a sudden surprise or hyper urgency. We're like, oh my gosh, it's July 4th. We're not ready. Oh my gosh, it's Mother's Day. We're not ready. Like you should be if you have created this calendar and know that that's what's coming up. Teams will be less stressed. They will have known that they should have written that page of content or email or uh, special activation uh, ahead of ahead of the event. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think it's also just a question of figuring out when you can 
invest, when is the right time to invest your team time as well? And I think we've also just had to learn to plan for the unexpected um, over the past couple of years, especially. And so leaving, you know, having that planning in advance makes you more flexible to adapt as things change in the digital landscape, which they, they do pretty much every week, it seems like at the moment. So it definitely setting up these automation tactics now also makes it easier to adjust when things don't go quite according to plan. So we had a, a conversation off, off of the podcast prior to this, where we were discussing between us the difference between getting donor attention and donor nurture. And obviously, we're talking about automating these ways of nurturing donors. And even in the title, we say you can't automate empathy. Uh, however, you know you can schedule a lot of thoughtful interactions. In your mind, what is the difference between that staying top of mind and just attention for sometimes the sake of attention and donor nurturing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting question. I think one of the things that we think about with donor nurture too is, are you nurturing the relationships that you already have with donors? Um, And are you trying to retain those existing relationships alongside your acquisition efforts? I think a lot of times we focus on, okay, let's let's get as many new donors as possible. And we're trying to acquire as many new donations as new donors and, and generate new donations. Um, and I think one of the things that automation really offers actually is the ability to consistently engage with your existing supporters. And so I think staying top of mind for an organization is is so important in terms of staying active with the cause and, and sharing updates on their beneficiaries or program events or advocacy efforts or whatever it might be, because obviously... Nonprofits have a lot to talk to their supporters at beyond just asking for money or or talking about money. And so I think making sure that you have those donor donor nurture communications is a lot more thinking about, okay, how this person is already committed to my organization and already engaged with us. But what do I need to do? What do we need to talk about? What do we need to share? What kinds of stories do we need to share Uh, What kind of ways do they need to feel involved with the organization to keep engaging with us? Because we know that it costs a lot more to acquire a new donor than it does to retain an existing one. And that nonprofits, especially ones of smaller sizes, rely on really consistent streams of revenue. And monthly donor revenue is one uh, way to help support that. And so I think that with donor nurture, it's not just about sharing the most relevant updates or or trying to differentiate yourself in the space, depending if you're competing for attention with a really similar cause. I think that's particularly relevant during political campaigns. But I think it's also about creating an actual meaningful digital relationship with your supporters. And if someone gives to one um, type of programming for like three years, then are you talking to them about that programming consistently? Are you sharing just widespread news? Um, I think that it's just something that we have to adapt to in the nonprofit world of of putting more time and investment in talking to our existing donor base rather than always trying to capture new ones. I guess I come from a mindset where I'm always interested in getting new donors 
via attention that you're putting out there in the door. Because at a certain point, if we took one extreme versus the other extreme, just to play it out, and you said, all right, let's close the door to any new donor, and you only focus on retention, uh, retention on average is hovering around 45 to 55%, depending on what numbers you're looking at. And so there's just sort of like an inevitable leaky bucket to the fundamentals of donor retention that I am much more on the like, we need the attention engine running. We need to be bringing in new people because if you simply, I don't know, pull it up the walls and say like, all right, we have enough, we can ride this out. Like that number is just not increasing. However, I do think when you switch from just generalized attention and being top of mind for overall donors, you know, capital D donors that are in your list, there is opportunity when you're talking about this more nuanced approach for some of them for high net worth individuals and that type of targeting, which can have disproportionate returns. Yeah. And I also would argue that I think the content marketing work and the sort of SEO strategies that we talked about earlier are where you can kind of use that attention and awareness level work um, to bring in new people while focusing on some more nuanced communication strategies with your existing donors. So I think that's where automation really helps nonprofits advance is when you're able to be achieving all of these different things at different stages of the funnel using online digital tools so that it's not just 10 people doing that job, um, but you know, four people across different departments working across different systems to talk to their supporters at all different levels. Well, I think there's a lot of questions. If I was listening to this, immediately mind is my mind is going through. All right, well, you know, what are the best strategies for a welcome series? How do I craft the emails to send to these donors? What's the difference between sending a donor, someone who's given, and not given? And I think, you know, that's some of the fun of having an entire course and a whole huge amount of time uh, to to dedicate to having that um, conversation. But clearly, I, I think you've made the case uh, pretty well for why. Thinking with automation first mindsets because you are short on time can yield the type of results that you want from a, a fundraising department. <laughs> well, I'm glad um, I've won you over, but I hope that, you won me over. that, I, that <laughs> anyone listening will check out our course as well. Um, it's a, a little shorter than our other fundraising course. So if you are just trying to spend a couple hours looking into this, then it's definitely worth taking a look. Awesome. Well, the course is available at hoel.com slash university and, and looking for the automated fundraising strategies, seven ways to automate donor cultivation currently listed at $99. But if you click around the site, there are ways of getting discounts. Um, so, you know, challenge, challenge accepted. Thank you, Isabel, for taking the, the time to put together an awesome course with basically just well-organized automated tactics that get the job done, especially, I think, worthwhile for doing this time of year. Thanks, George. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks, as always, to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 